Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am recording from the left coast as opposed to the right coast. I live on the east coast. I am on the west coast, and I'm more specifically recording from under a blanket. That's right. Hopefully, I don't overheat or suffocate in the course of this recording, but you got to do what you got to do. And I am recording this in a hotel room where the acoustics are not great. So just thought I'd let you know the glamorous insider perspective of being a podcaster. I'm under a blanket and it's awfully hot. I want to talk to you today about travel and not only getting through work trips or vacations without feeling like it was a train wreck, but also getting to the point where you believe in, you have confidence in your ability to stay in control and make great choices when you are away from home. Before we get right to the meat and potatoes of the episode, want to remind you guys that the next Fat Loss Fast Track 12-week coaching group kicks off on Sunday, April 1st, and I will be opening up registration to the waitlist first in just a couple of weeks. And you can get on the waitlist by going to primalpotential.com and the work with me tab there, or you can directly go to primalpotential.com forward slash FLFT dash waitlist, or you can just go to the show notes page for this episode, and the link will be there under resources as well. At the end of this episode, I'm going to take a few minutes to answer some frequently asked questions about the Fat Loss Fast Track. So if you are curious about how it works and if it is right for you, hang around till the end. But for now, as I said, I am in California right now, and I'm here for, let's see, Wednesday was a travel day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I go home. So five days of travel here, then I'm back home for a couple days, then I travel for another four days, then I'm back home for a couple days, then I travel again. Two business trips, one weekend getaway. I am the first one to acknowledge that travel can be tricky. And it doesn't matter if it's a day trip, or it's a vacation, or it's a business trip, or anything in between. I used to panic. I used to feel totally out of control, like I couldn't possibly pursue my goals away from home. Now, that's, of course, not true, but I had a lot of fear, and it wasn't irrational fear. It was fear based on my past experiences, thoughts like, I always go overboard, and I always eat too much, and I come back feeling like a stuffed sausage. I didn't trust myself because I hadn't earned that trust. 
and I didn't think that I could earn that trust. So right out of the gate, from a former binger, from a woman who previously ate anything and everything that wasn't nailed down, with the convenient story of, I'll do better when I get home. When I get home, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to be totally on point. From that, let me tell you that it is possible to feel in control when you are away, to enjoy your time while you're away, not feel like you're on a diet, not feel like you're missing out, but also feel really amazing about your choices and your body. I have gone from the perspective of, okay, Elizabeth, try not to be a total train wreck to the perspective of, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be strategic and I'm going to enjoy a few indulgences while I'm away, but also to the perspective of, I actually think I'll enjoy this trip more if I don't indulge. If I maintain the quality eating and the movement that makes me feel my best. So today I want to give you a few tips and I also want to address your questions. And my my gut is that this will be a two-part episode because I got a lot of questions and comments from listeners about their travel struggles and I want to hit those first so that you guys have this episode in your hands before you go away, whether for an overnight or a business trip or you just have a long day in the car. But I also want to make sure to get really specific about how I went from I binge all day in the airport, I eat whatever I want, I make all these promises about what I'm going to do when I get home and then I don't do any of that stuff and then Finnegan begin again, I repeat the cycle over and over. I want to be very clear about how I broke that pattern in my own life. Let's begin with sort of the big picture that I always like to remind people of, and that is that any change improving your response to travel, or just eating a little better in general, it is about progress. Progress means gradual improvements, not an all-or-nothing binge-restrict kind of approach, not a dieting mentality, not how extreme can I be. It's about gradual improvement. And if you're currently, when you're away, If you're currently going overboard every day, you're not a failure. When you go overboard three days but have one great day on your next trip, don't focus on the three that you struggled with. Winning that one day is an improvement. It's not going to all of a sudden transform because you decided that it should or because you have some ideas. Don't treat this like an all or nothing quest. Changing any pattern of behavior is a process. And your mindset, your decision-making when you travel is a pattern of behavior. So changing it is going to be a process. We all can relate to intention. Intending to do better, desiring to do better, talking yourself up for success. But intention is not the work. And that's often the only work we do, setting the intention. I'm going to do better on this trip. I'm going to, you know, 
limit my alcohol or eat less sugar or I'm going to work out every day. Those are intentions. And intention is usually the only work we do. Your decision is not the end of it. It's the beginning. You have to practice choice by choice, moment by moment, being aware of the desire and thinking through how you're going to respond. If you currently feel like your travel is a train wreck and you want it to be less of a train wreck, pick one single improvement. One thing that would be an improvement for you. For example, if you have dessert every day while you're traveling, go one day without it. If you have multiple drinks every day when you're away, have there be one day where you just have one drink. And these seem like small changes because they are. But it's a process, right? I started by picking one treat in the airport instead of 4,000, instead of as many as I could jam in my bag as possible. I started with just the airport. I'm going to be selective. I'm going to have one treat. I was still overeating, but for me at the time, it was a step in the right direction. It was a process. I didn't focus on, oh my God, I suck. I just had a bag of sour watermelons in the airport. What's wrong with me? No, it was, that's, that's my selection. That's my improvement. And I am seeking improvement because that is the path to progress. And honestly, seeking one improvement, that's what kept me out of a mindset of fear and restriction, right? So many people can relate to, I'm either on or I'm off. It was either a good day or it was a disaster, Seeking a small improvement felt really manageable for me, and I needed it to be manageable because that enabled me to build my confidence, and I didn't have any confidence in my ability to make choices, so I needed that. Before I tell you more about my own travel strategies, which might end up in a part two, I want to tackle the comments and the struggles that came in from social media. And I want to share my thoughts on those travel issues. This first one came in and it said, when I'm traveling and my work is paying the bill, it's always this fear of missing out. I wouldn't spend this money on myself. Why not take advantage of the moment? Free desserts, free lattes. So this particular listener is saying like, when it's free, I feel like I have to take advantage of it. And that is one way to see it for sure. It's free. Go for it. You'd have to pay for it otherwise, or you wouldn't pay for it otherwise. But that's kind of like justifying shoplifting because it's free. Price isn't the only factor. Cost isn't the only factor. It's not the most important factor. It's certainly not the most relevant factor. First, we can look at this and say, is that perspective working for you? Is that mindset, is that way of seeing things giving you the result that you want? Do you feel good about the choices you make with that perspective? And if you don't feel like you're getting what you want from that perspective, change your perspective. So if money isn't the only thing that matters, what maybe matters more as a factor in the dessert decision? 
How does it make me feel? Am I going to feel good about it tomorrow? Is it taking me where I want to go? Because there is many ways, there are many ways, to enjoy the financial flexibility of somebody else footing the bill without hurting yourself in the process. And when I say hurting yourself, I don't mean, you know, in the ways that we think about it. I'm, I'm talking about your energy, your mood, your body composition, the burden you put on yourself for when you return home, feeling heavier, more hungry, having more cravings, etc. So the first thing that I think of with this person who says it's free, why not, is, is priced the most relevant factor in that? And what else might be a relevant factor? Like, how am I going to feel afterwards? Is this worth it? Is this going to make me feel my best? Does this work for me? What other factors for you, and our answers will all be different, what other factors are there other than money? And then the other part of it is, how can I enjoy the fact that the food is free without hurting myself in the process? For example, last night I had filet mignon. I don't routinely do that, but I'm traveling, so there are ways to splurge, maybe an an Americano instead of a black coffee, How can you enjoy the fact that it's free without sacrificing yourself in the process? And ultimately, with any perspective, there are alternate perspectives available. So the way we choose to see things is just the way we choose to see things, but there are probably 20 other ways. Challenge yourself to go through that exercise. Grab a piece of paper and say, one way I'm seeing this is, hey, it's free, so take advantage What are three other ways that you could see that same situation? Going through that just for the experience of recognizing that your perspective isn't the only one. And who knows, maybe you'll find one that is more true or more helpful. Someone else said, I literally just posted about what I'm taking on an overnight school trip I'm chaperoning. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Lots of good stuff packed. Bring on the fast food places, I've packed mine. And while this is not a question, I wanted to bring it up because for some people, packing food is a super helpful strategy. And if that is you, like it is this person, go for it. If it deters you from eating things that otherwise you would eat and wouldn't feel great about, pack food. But... That is not the case for everybody. In fact, a lot of people will pack bars and all sorts of stuff like nuts and jerky and you name it, trail mix. And then they end up eating more because it's there. Eating a bar, not because they're hungry, but because it's there. Snacking on nuts in the car or on the plane, not because you're hungry, but because, hey, it's better than a cookie. Well, sure, but you could also just not have the cookie. It doesn't mean you need the nuts. They're they're separate issues. So my thought here is know thyself. I have traveled before with boxes of bars and ate all of them when I wasn't hungry. So that doesn't work for me. My strategy is I bring as little as possible. I am intentional about considering what would help and what would hurt. 
having a box of sugary bars, and I don't mean bars filled with sugar, I mean bars that taste sweet, like Quest bars or Power Crunch bars, or even, even kind bars, having that doesn't help me personally. Because I've had many, many trips where I've been eating those things because they were there, because they were convenient, because I had them, not because I needed them. I bring as little as possible. I'll use this current trip as an example to show what that looks like for me. Wednesday was a 13-hour travel day between driving to the airport, waiting for my flight, the flight, the layover, the flight, getting to the airport or getting to the hotel, etc., So I ate before I left, and I knew that it would be too late for me personally to eat when I arrived, so I packed one Epic Bar in my backpack that was easy to access. Epic Bars, for those of you that aren't familiar, are meat-based bars. They're not like jerky because they're not chewy like that. They're not tough like beef jerky is, Uh, but the Epic Bars, the one that I like best, actually there's two that I like best, Turkey almond cranberry and bison almond cranberry. Really, really yummy. There's some Epic Bars that I don't like, but those two I love. I will link to them in the show notes. They can be a little bit pricey, but they are 25% less on Thrive Market than they are as you would buy them in the grocery store or a supplement store. So I'll link to that. But I put one in my backpack. I didn't need a bunch of nuts. I didn't need beef jerky. I didn't need four Quest bars. My strategy was very, very intentional. I knew how it was going to work on the travel day. For the conference days, I'm naturally not a breakfast eater. So I'm not going to have a bar for breakfast just because I'm traveling and I have it in my bag, which if I brought a whole bunch of them, I probably would do. I'm not naturally a breakfast eater. Lunch was going to be provided by the conference. And dinner was going to be out, meat, veggies, raw salad. Saturday, I had dinner plans with a friend, and I was planning to go out for a light lunch. So as you can see, I don't need to have a bajillion snacks on hand. Now, might I get hungry, especially because I don't routinely eat in the morning and I didn't know what the lunch provided would be? And if it would satisfy me, like if it was a dinky little salad with a dinky little bit of protein, I'd probably be hungry immediately afterwards. So what I did is I brought with me a total of two packets of artisana coconut butter and two packets of fat fudge. And right now, in fact, I'm working on this episode on a Friday morning Eastern time, it's 9 a.m. Pacific time, it is 6 a.m. I had a tough workout last night and an early dinner, so I am feeling a little bit hungry. Not hungry enough to go get an omelet or anything, but that's what I brought the coconut butter for. After I finish this episode, I'll open up the packet, I will put some of it into my coffee, and I will eat the rest. So I don't have 12 packets of those, I don't have a need for that. But these things I bring with me as a minimal convenience. If I'm sitting through the afternoon session and I'm feeling really hungry, I have them. They're convenient. But I intentionally bring things that I'm not tempted to go overboard on. So for me, and everybody's going to be different, those things that I'm likely to go overboard on are sweet bars or nuts. 
so I don't travel with those. I'm not going to eat a package of coconut butter because I'm bored. I'm not going to have two packets of fat fudge because they're there. So I bring these things very strategically. Know thyself. And yes, both of those things can be a little bit pricey. I save 20-ish percent on them going through Thrive Market. But if you're curious about those two things, the Artisana Coconut Butter Packets and the Fat Fudge, I will link to them in the show notes. All right, next comment. I find myself in a phase of life where I'm constantly traveling pretty much every single weekend. I think the hardest thing with travel is that it totally fuels the whole binge restrict cycle if you let it. I found that on weekends where I let myself go totally off the rails, it ends up ruining the fun of the trip and my thoughts become consumed by food. I hate living that way. I agree. I hated living that way too. And I think the key to what she said there is, if you let it, it fuels the binge restrict cycle if you let it. Here's the thing. If you talk yourself into overindulging because of something you will do later to make up for it, you are, with your perspective, fueling that cycle. Never make a decision based on a future promise. If you feel like you have to pledge to fast later, to be super strict tomorrow, that is your red flag, my friend, and you've got to be paying attention to those red flags. Why are you making a choice that you feel you need to justify? Either don't justify it, own it, or don't make it. Just be mindful of where those red flags pop up. If you're trying to negotiate for it in your head, I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm going to work out super hard. I'm going to fast for the next 24 hours. Dial back. Dial back. Too often, we go with the story, live a little, I'm on vacation. I'm away from home, not because it's true, not because whatever you're choosing is so amazing and so worth it, but because it's a permissive story that works. And so often we are promising future restriction to justify present indulgence. Really question any choice that you feel you need to bargain for that you feel you need to compensate for or pledge a change for. Give yourself a moment of pause and say, all right, so I am using a promise about tomorrow or when I get home to consider this choice, to justify this choice. Should I really be doing this? Is it worth it? How is it going to make me feel? And that is one of the reasons that I am a huge fan of journaling. If you feel like you are in this binge restrict cycle, begin your day with a simple three-minute inquiry in your journal. What would make today amazing? What would make me feel my best? This is a huge part of my personal strategy in traveling. I've already done this. I do this when I'm at home too. What would be a winning day? What would make me feel my best? What would make me proud, right? You get closer to the truth when you do that. And the truth for a lot of people is that overeating and overindulging doesn't add to the trip. It takes away from it. But in a moment where you're just trying to convince yourself to overindulge, 
You can talk yourself into it, but it doesn't mean that how you talked yourself into it is real or true, right? And this is beyond vacation. This is true all the time. Ask yourself, what would really make me feel my best today? What does it look like to win the day? I was working with a client who was struggling with binging. And we talked through some different strategies, focusing just on today, what would make the day amazing, what would make her feel her best. And here's what she emailed to me a week later. She said, day five of no binges. I seem to keep pulling two of your strategies every night and it's working. Number one, I imagine how the food will taste. It's always something I've had before and it's not exciting. Remembering this gets me to slow down and recall how boring fat-free pudding really is. Number two, this is the one I'm excited about. Number two, in the moment, feeling how I will feel after the binge tomorrow morning when I wake up. How can I do that to tomorrow's version of me? It's not fair to her. I love that. How often do you consider if what you're doing is fair to tomorrow's version of yourself? Is it worth it to choose something today that takes away from your tomorrow, that puts you behind before the day even begins. And usually when I mean behind, I'm not talking about like nutritionally behind, emotionally behind. The other approach that really works for me is if there are two things that I really want and there are two opposing things, like I want to indulge, but I also want to move towards my goals. The question I'll ask myself is, how can I have as much of both as possible? Maybe that means picking one indulgence that's totally worth it. Maybe it means one day I have those pancakes for breakfast that I really want. For me in practice, it it often means that I have one drink, but I eat really, really clean, right? How can I have as much of both as possible? It has to go beyond intention and into practice. Another comment came in. I'm spending a week in a condo on the beach with my girlfriends. I feel very strong and disciplined. I'm not worried about making bad choices. Maybe their issue, uh, let's see, I think I messed this up. Let me go back to this. The other comment uh, is related to not making bad choices, but how other people feel about those choices. I didn't put the entire comment in here, my bad. But basically she's saying, I'm not worried about the choices I make, but I'm worried about how my friends are going to react to me not eating what they're eating or me not drinking what they're drinking. There are two different ways to think about this. Maybe their issue with the choices you're making is how you make them feel about their choices. And a lot of people do this without even noticing it and they have great intentions. But if you, because in this comment, it says, I'm not worried about making bad choices. Well, if you feel like those choices are bad choices, then what you're saying is, they're making bad choices. Even if you don't say that to them, your perception that those choices are bad is a judgment. And when people feel judged, they don't take it very well. The first thing that I really believe is approaching your choices without 
placing judgment on them for yourself or for anybody else, right? So many times people are like, oh, I'm trying to be good. Well, yes, that's a very benign comment, but you have to understand that what people often hear is that what they're doing is bad because you have now established that there is a good side and a bad side. And so a lot of people's pushback isn't because of what you're eating, but it's because of how you feel about what you're eating. And even in the way she worded this comment, I'm not worried that I'm going to make bad choices. Whether she expresses that judgment or not, it is there and chances are people feel that. I never want anyone around me to think that I feel superior because of how I choose to eat. So if they're eating something that I'm not going to choose to eat because of how it makes me feel and it looks good, I'm going to be real about it. Oh, that looks so good. How is it? But I'm not going to say things like, oh, I wish I could have that. I'm trying to be good. I can have that. I'm choosing not to, but I'm not going to place a judgment on it. When we say things like, oh, no, I'm trying to be good. Of course, people don't like that. It's not necessary. And in that case, we participate in the problem. We get pissed off because our friends aren't supportive. But the reality is you're also not supportive of them. And it doesn't mean that you have to encourage them drinking like crazy or overeating. But keep your personal judgments out of it. And let's say that you're already doing that right? That you don't have this notion of good and bad like the commenter suggested, uh, that you're just quietly doing your own thing and you're still getting grief from your friends. If they have feedback on what you're eating, like, oh, come on, live a little, we're away. Oh, don't make me eat alone. Understand that that conversation only goes as far as you take it. People encourage me to drink all the time. My key is I don't go into a reason or a story or anything. No thanks, I'm good. They can't take it far if I don't engage. A conversation requires two people. Want a piece of cake? No thanks, I'm good. When you give explanations, you're inviting conversation. And if you don't want there to be a conversation, don't participate. My line is often, you do you. I'll do me, right? If they say, oh, well, really, I mean, I know you're trying to be good, but you just put butter on your steak. So, hey, I sure did. You do you. I'll do me. And I don't say it in a snarky way, but it's just sort of like, I'm not, I'm not getting into this. I don't need to justify. I don't need to explain, right? People will say, oh, I thought you were so healthy. Look at you going for dessert or whatever. Yup. Yummy. (laughs) That's it. I don't get into why, why it's okay, why it's not, what I do, why I do it. Focus on the relationship. A conversation about food is only a conversation about food. If you make it a conversation about food, stay in your lane. You owe no explanations, but don't be pious. Don't say things like, oh, I'm trying to be good in front of somebody that's eating french fries. I mean, and then be upset when they, like, encourage you to have some. (laughs) You just basically said they were bad. Of course they're irritated by that. I mean, that that is definitely something where I think most people on both sides have a lot of room for improvement. If you're with somebody that always gets a burger and fries with you and they order a salad, don't say anything. It's not your business. And if you're out and you order the salad and your friend's like, oh, have some fries, 
You don't need to get into what you're doing and why you're trying to do it. Keep it simple. No, thank you. All right, I'm gonna make this a two-part episode because we're already longer than I thought we would be. The next episode will not be from under a sheet. It's awfully hot under here and my arm has fallen asleep. Um, I don't wanna rush through my strategies and how I created change, uh, but I did tell you that I would talk about some common questions about the Fat Loss Fast Track and I want to keep that promise because the next one kicks off on Sunday, April 1st. Registration opens up to the waitlist in just a couple of weeks. One of the biggest questions is, who's it for? Is it for me? And some people will say, I don't have much weight to lose, or I have a lot of weight to lose. Is it for me? The fat loss fast track is primarily about creating change. Whatever that change is for you. For some people, it is weight loss. But for a lot of other people, it's feeling in control of their food choices and creating consistency. That is what it's about, learning to trust yourself, learning what your body needs and what it doesn't need, and getting to a place where you don't feel like you depend on a new diet every single week, getting to a place where food doesn't consume your thoughts and your mind, it's not on or off, feeling proud or feeling awful, that you create this consistent baseline where you're just taking great care of yourself. And that doesn't mean that you never indulge, but it also means you don't indulge every day. And we create that together. People often ask, how is Fat Loss Fast Track different from Breaking Barriers? So Breaking Barriers is exclusively mindset, self-limiting beliefs, emotional eating. And Breaking Barriers is self-guided. So you purchase the course, you have immediate access, you have access for a year, you go through the audio modules, there are a few worksheets in there as well, but you go at your own pace. The Fat Loss Fast Track is very, very different, right? It's 12 weeks. We focus on one week at a time. We build a foundation. We focus, yes, on mindset, but also on nutrition and also on movement. There are weekly challenges, there are daily coaching messages. There is a journal. There's a bazillion different things in the Fat Loss Fast Track, but it is a much more active program. Like, I'm engaged. I'm emailing saying, hey, how are things going? What can I do to help? Uh, the next couple weeks, I've got phone calls with a lot of my Fat Loss Fast Track clients. Just check-ins. Where are you struggling? And what can we do to come up with a strategy together? You don't see that level of engagement in Breaking Barriers. So if you want to learn more about the Fat Loss Fast Track, get on the wait list. Easiest way is probably to go to the show notes for this episode or to go to primalpotential.com, hit the work with me tab. But you can also go to primalpotential.com forward slash FLFT dash wait list. I will open up to the wait list first. And I do limit enrollment in the Fat Loss Fast Track because I just can't have more people than I can help, than I can serve. So the next version of this episode is going to be on how I went from chronically binging while I was traveling to where I am now, how I balance enjoying food and indulging, because I like to eat, while also honoring my goals, what that looks like specifically, how that evolution happened. So stay tuned for that episode. If you're curious about the Epic Bars, the Artisana Coconut Butter Packets, or the Fat Fudge, head over to the show notes. I've got links there as well. So can't wait till next time. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.